One of the things that I really enjoy doing is uh, getting together with people one-on-one for a cup of coffee. Uh, I enjoy coffee, but I enjoy that one-on-one fellowship. And I'm almost always surprised that with, with almost every person uh, that I get together with, with almost every guy that I sit and talk with, when, when they begin to open up about their life and their past, which is what I like to do. I like to probe and just find out what's gone on in their life and what they've been through. And with almost every guy, there's just some kind of deep pain or wound or really tough thing that they've been through at some point in their life. And I believe that this scripture this morning can be used by the Holy Spirit to bring great comfort and great healing to those of us who uh, know what that's all about. And our scripture this morning shows us that people sometimes do disappoint us. But it also shows us how not to let that disappointment dominate our hearts. When people fall short of our expectations, our response can be to just drift into bitterness. And some people remain in a state of semi-bitterness or maybe even really strong, dark, deep bitterness for years. So that can be our response. Or we can believe that, yeah, all that stuff happened, but... The Lord stands with us and that He really is enough. And we can still say, all glory and honor and praise be to Him forever and ever. Amen. Now this passage does begin with Paul feeling left alone and feeling let down. In a book that I'm reading on Martin Luther, the author is Carl Truman, and he describes Luther's attitude toward the Bible. And he said, according to Luther, the Word addresses us at the core of our being. Learning it is never purely a mental exercise. It grips our soul. It drives us to despair and then lifts us up to the very portals of heaven. Part of the reason the Word speaks to us at the very core of our being is because it reveals the struggles of its greatest heroes. And you know what I'm talking about, Abraham, Job, David, and I could go on and on and name saint after saint in the Bible. And here Paul is real about his inner battles, not only in this passage, but really all through uh, the New Testament Paul is quite transparent about the things that he goes through. And he said once to the Corinthians, we were afflicted on every side. We had conflicts without and fears within. In other words, things weren't going well on the outside and they weren't going very well on on the inside of me either. And here in this passage this morning, we see that Paul is lonely Uh, He's disappointed by some people, and he doesn't cover up that others have neglected him or deserted him or harmed him. 
And so the scriptures freely talk about our deepest thoughts, emotions, and troubles. I think it was John Calvin that said the book of Psalms is the anatomy of the soul. Well, in a sense, really the whole Bible is. It deals with, with us on that level. And it does freely talk to us about our deepest thoughts, emotions, and troubles. But then we also find from the Scriptures at the very point which we need help. We find help at the very point in which we need help, which, as Luther said, is at the very core of our being. It's, I mean, we need outward help at times. We, there's a lot of things that, that can be done for us that help us outwardly. But most of the time... Where we really need help is where? It's at the core of our being. It's at our heart level. But the word also lifts us up to the very portals of heaven. And that is exactly where Paul takes us in this passage. We may feel despair, loneliness. Uh, We may really be under attack. We may be treated unfairly. But that is never the whole story for us. And that can never be the place where we allow our feelings and thoughts to stay. That can never be the place that we settle emotionally or spiritually. That can never dominate our attitude about life or about ourselves or about other people or about the future. We are never ultimately merely victims of mistreatment. Because we are the Lord's. And the Lord always stands by us, uh, even through the darkest night. And He always strengthens us, and He always overcomes any situation that we're living through. And so, by the end of this passage, Paul expresses his utter confidence in the Lord. No matter what has happened to him, no matter what his circumstances are, no matter who has left him or deserted him. He says, but the Lord stood by me, and he strengthened me. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed, and he will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be all the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, from verse 9 to verse 17 or whatever, the end of this passage that we just read, Paul's circumstances didn't change. But he sets his mind on a greater truth than his loneliness and his disappointments in people. He sees the Lord. And he boasts in the Lord. It's not just that he thinks about the Lord and kind of says, well, I guess probably the Lord will help me or he was there or something. No, he's, he, he's bragging about the Lord, how the Lord strengthened him and stood with him. I gave a message long, quite a few years ago, or a couple years ago anyway, where he said that faith really isn't faith until it gets to the point of boasting. We are, we are to hold fast our boast in the Lord, firm to the end. And so if you want to, that, that really is what faith is. It's coming around to this place where, where, where we're boasting in the Lord and His strength and His faithfulness and what He's done for us. So, He boasts in the Lord. 
and he sings glory to God uh, from his prison cell. So that's the big picture here. And I want to go back now and work our way through the details of this scripture. Uh, Just prior to this section, prior to the scripture that John read for us this morning, Paul had declared to Timothy this very well-known statement, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the the faith. I don't think there's any more inspiring statement that anyone could ever make at the end of their life than what Paul just said there. But there is nothing glamorous at all about the fight when you're in it. Uh, You actually feel the wounds. Uh, You feel the loneliness of the fight. And just the real life situation on the ground can be brutal. And so here's what the fight looked like for Paul. And so we're just going to go through what Paul's life was like at, at this time. And you have been through things where life was just like that when you were going through that really dark night or difficult time. And you have things right now that you're going through. And that's, that's just the reality of where you're at. Well, here's, here's what the situation on the ground looked like for Paul at this point in his life. First of all, Paul was in prison. Uh, this was... Paul's second time in prison in Rome. Uh, The first time, he'd been in prison more than that. This is the second time he's in prison in Rome. The first time is described by Luke at the end of the book of Acts. And at that time, uh, many people came to see or visit Paul. But now he apparently is in a much more repressive situation. Paul was rearrested at some point and placed, uh, according to church tradition, in the Mamertine prison. One historian called the Mamertine prison the house of darkness. He said, few prisons were as dim, dank, and dirty. It was also referred to as a dungeon. And the Roman historian Sallust said, this dungeon's Neglect, darkness, and stench gave it a hideous and terrifying appearance. And on top of that, Paul was aware that he would be executed soon. He told Timothy, just earlier in this chapter, he said, the time of my departure is near. So that was Paul's reality at this point. That was his daily circumstances. I doubt that any of ours are that bleak. But we do live through many disturbing and unpleasant situations. It's just Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. And sometimes life is very hard. It's not always hard, but there are times that it was or is hard. And sometimes we find ourselves in trouble uh, because of our own sin and unwise decisions Sometimes we're put into a painful or lonely lonely situation because of someone else's sin or poor decisions. But it's possible that you may even be in a hard situation for doing the very thing that God has called you to do. You willingly chose to serve Jesus to the best of your ability, 
And now it seems that has ended up in some kind of big trouble or even disaster for you. Jesus was sent from God, and yet he ended up betrayed, flogged, and crucified. Paul was doing exactly what God had called him to do, and yet here he is uh, at the end of his life. Not, he's not enjoying uh, the bounty of uh, his 401k or whatever. He's not uh, you know, kind of enjoying the uh, relaxed, easy, retired life. He's, he's in prison. He's in a dark, lonely prison cell, and it just reflects the reality, the honesty of what the Bible tells us, that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Sometimes life really is hard, and Peter says that shouldn't surprise you, shouldn't take you by surprise. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that you're going through. It's normal. It happens to everybody. It's going on. All the saints all around the world are dealing with it too. Don't feel sorry for, sorry for yourselves or be surprised by it. Sometimes life is, is really hard. All right, secondly, when we're, you know, right now we're just talking about Paul's real situations, what I kind of call his, the situation on the ground. Uh, secondly, Paul was lonely. He felt he needed a friend. Verse 9, Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. And as we go on in the final verses of, the, of this chapter, you just sense the cry of his heart to have Timothy come. And he says, he says be sure and, and try to come before winter. You know, get, get here quickly. I need you, brother. And sometimes you just feel like you really need a friend. And part of Paul's loneliness came from the reality that he was in prison. And sometimes for us, too, uh, isolation or loneliness is enforced upon us by circumstances from uh, sickness or divorce or death of a spouse or loss of a close friend. God designed us to be together and we just sense that something isn't right when we're not in close connection with uh, our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. In Philippians 2.25, Paul called Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, and my fellow soldier. I mean, that's the way we're supposed to go, th go through life. Brothers, fellow workers, fellow soldiers. But here at the end of his life, Paul is obviously suffering from the absence of those kind of relationships. He's suffering from the absence of human companionship. Paul was alone, as I said, partly because he was in prison. He was alone to some degree simply because some of his good friends and fellow workers had other good things that they must do. Uh, Crescens, he said, has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, and I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. Uh, these were all good men. These men were carrying out the work of the Lord. Uh, they were really not supposed to be there with Paul. And sometimes people uh, are not around because of good reasons, and sometimes they're not around because of bad reasons. But regardless of the reasons, uh, Paul felt alone, and, and being alone or going on alone through life in, is just a situation that Paul faced. It's a situation that we sometimes face. All right, third circumstance or situation that Paul was in, a fellow worker had deserted Paul. Verse 4, 
and I know this in the New American Standard, so that's where I'm going to quote what I'm going to quote it from. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. Demas had been with Paul, and he had worked with Paul in the gospel, in the things of the gospel. He had worked with Paul in preaching and in building up the church. But then whatever happened in Demas' heart, it says that he, he deserted Paul. He abandoned Paul to pursue his interests in the world. It's obvious that Paul was deeply disappointed by that. Uh, and Demas, or his desertion was all the more painful just because of how close they had been. We talked about this yesterday at a wonderful men's group on Saturday morning. About We were talking about Jesus and his betrayal by um, Judas. I mean, G- what, what Paul went through with Demas, and, I mean, Jesus went through uh, on a much greater level uh, with, with Judas. And where, where Jesus said, even my close friend, or speak, is from the Psalms, from Psalm 40. 41, I believe it is, that even my close friend uh, in whom I trusted, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. So Paul experienced that, and, and Jesus did too. And perhaps, uh, perhaps there was someone in your life who you thought was with you in the trenches to the end, and, and then they're not. Uh, that friend who said they'd always be your friend is just no longer there. And these are the kind of real disappointments that, that Paul fought through and that we fight through. Of course, what magnifies Paul's grief over Demas is the reason that Demas deserted him. He deserted him because he loved this present world. He fell in love with the world. He fell in love with the same things that unbelievers love. And that had to be a grief to Paul. The Apostle John said, I have no greater joy than this to see my children walking in the truth. And he didn't say this, but I'm sure he would have also said that I have no greater grief than to see my children pulled back into the world. Uh, Seeing others defect and desert is one of the most discouraging things that we endure uh, but it is a part of the fight, and that's what Paul was going through at this point in his life. Fourth, uh, Paul had enemies who actually did want to harm him. He said, Alexander the carp- coppersmith did me great harm. In First Timothy chapter 1, Paul identified Alexander as one who had rejected faith and a good conscience and so had suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. If that is the same Alexander, we don't know for sure, but if it was the same Alexander, then he had certainly professed to be a believer, but then had rejected his faith and turned against Paul. And we don't know exactly how he opposed Paul. Uh, Some think that he might have tried to uh, stir up the authorities, the Roman authorities, against Paul, and perhaps even played a role in Paul's arrest. We don't know that. But in some way, this man harmed, greatly harmed Paul and, and 
and, and, and sought, sought to do that. He tried to do it. He did it on purpose. You know, often we feel hurt when people have no real intention of, of hurting us. And a lot of times we, we um, either imagine hurts or kind of exaggerate things and, and kind of nurse our hurts and they get blown all the way out of, out of proportion. But sometimes uh, people actually do try to hurt us. And it's, it's a really bizarre thing when you experience that. Uh, and that's part of what we have to walk through in this world at times. And Paul still viewed Alexander as a dangerous person. He warned Timothy, be on guard against him yourself. He strongly opposed our message and he'll work against you too. So Paul speaks from many years of experience in ministry. He's been in the fight and he knows this stuff happens. So the result of all this, result of all the stuff that Paul was going through, was that Paul felt a great need, as we said earlier, for Timothy to come. Do your best to come to me soon. And all of these things that we've just talked about are the reason that Paul lays out why he feels such a need for Timothy to come soon. But you know what? The Lord uses other people as his instruments of encouragement and comfort. And Paul knew that. And that's why he wanted Timothy to come. He, 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 just, he felt like he needed that. And he, and he knew that people usually are the blessings through which that kind of encouragement and comfort comes. And he once told the Corinthians, God who comforts the depressed comforted me by the coming of Titus. He'd, he'd experienced that, that when he was at a low point, God brought Titus to him and just really lifted, lifted him up and encouraged him. He presses uh, Timothy to come, uh, reminding him that Luke is the only one still with him. And I don't know if this would have made Luke feel bad or not. Uh, kind of makes you wonder, because uh, Luke was with him here, uh, but he feels a need to have more people there. And I'm sure Paul was deeply grateful to Luke. Uh, but Luke probably had other responsibilities uh, in Rome, and he, he probably could only be with Paul a limited amount of time. And so Paul felt the need for Timothy and, and for others to come too. And he said, bring Mark with you also. Verse 11, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. And if you know your Bible from the book of Acts, Paul and Mark had had their differences. They had a pretty big split in their relationship after, Paul, or after Mark uh, deserted uh, Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. But that's been long forgiven, and Paul wants him to come, and he has plans to give him some kind of work that would help him. Then in verse 13, he says to Timothy, bring, uh, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Uh, David Guzik uh, suggests, and we don't know this, but he suggests that Paul perhaps was arrested at Troas. And foreseeing that coming, he left behind his coat and his book and his papers or writing materials with a trusted friend named Carpus. Uh, regardless if that's the case or not, uh, certainly, just his request for those things uh, reminds us how God can encourage us or encourage others through things like a coat or a book 
or something to write on. And so if you, if you want to encourage someone, uh, don't underestimate the power of bringing or sending what might seem like a small gift. It might, might bring huge encouragement to someone. Then Paul again impresses on Timothy how alone he is. And again, I would say he reiterates uh, the, the magnitude of the disloyalty and desertions that he had experienced. Verse 16, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. Uh, that's that's a, a pretty... Um, pretty strong statement. Just expresses pretty, pretty uh, starkly the reality of, of how Paul viewed his, his uh, situation there. Now it says that my first offense, I believe that refers to his, the first hearing of this present imprisonment. Uh, Pastor uh, Ray Stedman made this comment or described the situation, which I, I thought was pretty accurate. He said, This was a very dangerous time in Rome. The emperor Nero was noted for his vindictiveness or his viciousness. If anyone even appeared to be against him, Nero's assassins were all throughout the city and ready to take that man's life. Evidently, no Christian was ready to risk his life by standing up for Paul. So he had to face this preliminary hearing all alone. And Paul obviously felt the emotional reaction to that. He felt the the pain of that disloyalty. But he said in verse 17, may it not be charged against them. It's like, you know, he he tells how how everybody deserted him. Not one person was with him. But he says, but he quickly adds, may it not be held against him. He is, Paul is not vindictive. He's not harboring resentment or some kind of desire for payback at these people at all. And the things that he goes on to say, which we're going to look at as we go as we finish up here, the things that Paul goes on to say, on to say, I think, show us how Paul could forgive and not harbor any resentment at all about the situation. So at this point in this passage of scripture, Paul has uh, finished describing Uh, the facts on the ground, the real facts of his situation. And as we've already said, for Paul it was prison, loneliness, and some unfaithful uh, friends. And if he stopped right there, and if, if we stopped teaching this passage right there, it could sound like Paul was uh, defeated, that Paul was depressed, but then he goes on to tell us how he is looking at this, how he's looking at all this. So it's kind of like Paul is saying, all right, this is what happened. This is a reality. It's true. No one else was there, but the Lord stood by me. It's, it's almost like he's saying, it's okay. It doesn't really matter. It didn't destroy me that people left me because... The Lord was there. That's the bigger truth 
So again, as I said earlier, we, we do acknowledge our real problems and hurts and disappointments. But we must never stop there. We must never land there and stay there and live there. We can't just look down. We have to look up. And I just love the way Paul, after all of this stuff that he's describing, but the Lord was there with me, and he stood right by me. And right when, I, when all deserted me, I was never alone. And I, th- I think one thing that stood out to me is Paul's talking in the, in the past tense. And, you know, how you talk, your, talk about your past, how you think about your past is really important. Don't think about your past without thinking about the Lord being there with you, without, being the, Lord's, the, without the Lord standing there with you. Even, even in, you know, that dark, lonely, painful experience that we talked about over coffee, don't ever, don't ever think about that without thinking, but the Lord stood with me. The Lord was there with me. That takes the darkness out of your past. It takes the darkness out of your present. And it takes the darkness out of your future. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. And we all know Hebrews 13.5. He himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? The Lord's presence is the ultimate solution to everything in life. Paul wrote to the Philippians, do not be anxious about anything. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. And so you can say, yes, I'm going through this really hard battle. But you must also say, the Lord is right here with me. And the next thing Paul said, he's, the Lord stood by me and he strengthened me. Uh, think of Paul's situation. He was tried before Roman authorities in a Roman courtroom, before uh, hardened Roman authorities who likely had zero compassion for him, without run, one friend. Uh, but the Lord was there and the Lord gave him the power, he gave him the strength to go through that. And anything that you go through, anything that you are going through, anything that you will ever grow, go through, the Lord is not only with you, but He will strengthen you to go through it. And so we, fa- we face the future without fear. We face the future uh, with a kind of uh, boldness and confidence, knowing that the Lord will never desert us or ever forsake us. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. And I think that's why Paul was able to say, may this not be held against anyone. You know, when you see that you're really being taken care of well by the Lord, Uh, we lose our need to retaliate. Uh, We lose our need to blame or to get even. 
we, we actually, in, in, a, in a very real way, we actually are just fine because the Lord is with us. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. For, for other, other translations, of course, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But the, the, the word want there means I shall not lack. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I'm fine. Ultimately, I'm fine. Uh, so, no human being, no relationship problem, no circumstance can ruin your life because the Lord stands by you. And as Paul adds, he will deliver you from every evil deed. Paul went on to say that the Lord strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. I think Paul, what, I think what he was saying here is that I got to share the gospel in that Roman courtroom. I think Paul boldly proclaimed Jesus as Savior to the world uh, right there in that Roman courtroom, and God gave him the strength to do that, and he rejoices in that. Uh, he says, I was in a tough situation, very tough situation. Nobody, I didn't have one friend with me, but the Lord strengthened me to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in that situation. And Paul is rejoicing in that. And then verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Or excuse me, you know what, I just, I, I jumped a paragraph here. I want to go back and pick up. He actually, the first thing he said is, so I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Uh, I love that phrase, uh, the word picture of that. Because that's often where we find deliverance. It's right at or almost inside the lion's mouth. <laughs> it's, it's not like we're uh, delivered from uh, uh, miles away from trouble. It's we're delivered right from the lion's mouth. Uh, so I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Uh, Paul may have thought he would be immediately executed, but apparently was given some kind of reprieve temporarily at this first hearing and so he declares and the Lord's deliverance he said the Lord delivered me from the lion's mouth in verse 18 the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his eternal his heavenly kingdom Paul lived with a confidence that nothing could harm him really he lived with the confidence that nothing could ultimately harm him uh, Paul was no fool. Uh, he did not think he was immune to physical harm, uh, but he knew that even death was victory for a Christian. And so then he breaks, he breaks out in worship and praise. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And again, just, just think of the reality here on the ground, so to speak. Paul had no home. Apparently very few clothes, very few loyal friends, death was coming soon, and yet here he is, to him be all the glory forever and ever, amen. You know, and if, if, if you let your circumstances, if you let what people have done to you in the past, or if you let what people are doing to you now, if you let that dominate your mind and heart, your heart will never be free to sing 
Glory to God. But if you see that the Lord is right there standing with you, if you glory in His strength and His help, it will fill your heart with with worship. Because nothing is better than knowing that the Lord is, is with you and standing with you. Christ died to bring us to God so that we could live in this kind of relationship where we walk through life with Him as our God and that we are His people. It's a beautiful thing, powerful thing. Powerful enough to get us through every trial in life. Paul was in prison, but his heart was free. Uh, And when you can say, uh, all glory be to him, forever and ever, amen. When you can say that, uh, regardless of what happens to me, that is real freedom. Uh, Regardless of my circumstances, regardless of what's going on with my business or my work or my family or my possessions or my relationships, all glory be to him, to the Lord, forever and ever. Spurgeon said, one thing I know, Christian, you are not acting as you ought to do when you are moved by any other motive than the one motive of your Lord's glory. So it's not what about me, it's not what about my feelings, it's not what about I'm going through, it's not what about other people have done to me, it's what about God's glory. And so that's the way uh, we fight our battles. And we sing a song like that, something like that. That's the way we fight our battles, through worship and praise and considering that our big concern in life is the glory of God. That's how Paul uh, went through this real lonely, hard situation in prison that he was in at the end of his life. So, I want to, stay, I want to end here by us uh, making, pra- I should say maybe practicing two confessions from this passage. Um, and the first it, confession is, but the Lord stood with me. Okay? But the Lord stood myth- with me. Can you say that? But the Lord stood with me. The other confession that I want us to make is the same one that Paul ends this passage with, to him be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.